Let's turn our attention to Romans 16. It's uh, the doxology and also greetings. We'll start in verse 21 and read down to verse 27. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's begin. Verse 21. This is what Paul writes. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me, and the whole church greets you. Erastus, who is the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Doxology. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God. Be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, I pray that you'll speak another time through your word. That you'll draw us close. We not only want to endure, Father, we want to walk through life with praise on our lips. So help us now in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It has been said that a good communicator will tell you what he's going to say, will then say what he's going to say, and then after saying it, will tell you what it is he has said. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul did in this little letter called the book of Romans. If you take chapter 1 and chapter 16 and put them together, they're like bookends. Chapter 1, we're introduced to Paul, and there in chapter 1, he speaks of the gospel of God. In chapter 16, you hear Paul talk about my gospel. When you get down to verse 16 in chapter 1, there you find the central theme of the entire book of Romans when Paul says that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. You get to the end of the book in chapter 16, and there he revisits that theme, and he talks about God's ability, his, his ability not just to save, but to strengthen. You'll see that in verse 25. Paul tells us at the very beginning in chapter 1 that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. There at the end of Romans, chapter 16, verse 25, it is the power to establish. If you were here two years ago and we got to chapter 1 and got through the introduction in verse 5, there you would find Paul saying he's preaching to bring about the obedience of faith for all nations. He says all he has to say, he gets to chapter 16, verse 25, and his heart is still on missions. And he closes this whole letter talking about bringing about the obedience of faith for all nations, the same missionary zeal. So you see it now from start to finish, from stem to stern, and all points in between. Paul is saturating us with this, this victorious gospel of grace, a gospel and a victory found only in Jesus Christ. And, and even as he closes, you can see the doxology in verse 25, he starts out with the words, to him. Even as he closes, he's getting our eyes up 
Really, I think, I think you ought to circle that to him. I, I want to do that. I want you to read it. I want you to feel it. I want you to love the idea of getting your eyes up off of what you're dealing with and on to Christ. I, I want you to live your life, wh- whoever you are, I want you to live your life unto Christ, every bit of it, every, every day of it, every second of it. Because right, right on the front end of the sermon, I just... Can you just hear what Romans says, that, that, that Christ is better than whatever you're fighting against? Christ is better than whatever sin that you're caught in? Christ is better than whatever addiction? Christ is better than whatever you're facing or stuck in? The Bible tells us that the gospel is the, is the, is, is the pearl of great price for you to have, or you might feel it like this, that, that the gospel is, is, is the feather bed of grace for you to fall into. They're waiting for you. And this gospel, Paul is saying at the very close of his letter, it's worth you turning to. You should turn to him. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross in the place of sinners, I just want to do one one very plain thing today. I want to take this passage I want to take this passage and use it as the doxology. And I want to help you praise God from whom all blessings flow. I want to take this passage and give you reasons to praise God. We're going into the week of Thanksgiving. And and I know we're standing in the middle. uh, thank, Thank the Lord we're at the end of 2020. I know that it's been a really tough year, but it's good for us to look back and see and give thanks and praise to God. Every single point that I'm going to try to make today will begin with praise. Here's the first one. Number one, you need to praise God. You need to praise God for loyal Christian friends. If you have a loyal Christian friend, you need to praise God for that man or woman. Let me show you where I get that. You'll find it in verse 21. Verse 21, 22, and 23, it's more of Paul greeting Remember, we saw a lot of names last week and the week before, and those names were people that lived in Rome. Well, the names you see here are people that are actually with him in the city of Corinth. And Paul is saying, I want you to know these people are greeting you, and look at the very first one in verse 21. Paul writes, Timothy, 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 my fellow worker, greets you. If there ever was a person in the entire New Testament that deserved to be called the fellow worker of Paul, it was Timothy. Paul met Timothy, you can read the story, in Acts chapter 16. He met him in Lystra in his second missionary journey. They teamed up together. Timothy was an unusual young man. He was raised in a home where his mother was a believer, but his daddy was not. A divided home. And his mother had to make up for what uh, Timothy lacked in a spiritual leadership at home, and she poured into her son. She was a believer in Timothy, who probably was actually led to a saving knowledge of Jesus by the apostle Paul. Paul and Timothy became close. He wrote two letters to the young man Timothy, and the first letter he wrote, he called Timothy his true son in the faith. In the second letter, 2 Timothy, he spoke of Timothy as my dear son. You can read uh, in the book of Philippians, Paul mentions Timothy, and he talks about the worth, his friendship to Paul. In fact, all of Paul's writings, except 
three letters, all but three, mention Timothy in some way. Eight years. Eight years they worked together. Whatever Paul faced, Timothy faced. Whatever trouble Paul went into, Timothy stood there with him. Whatever pain Paul experienced, Timothy experienced. Whatever struggle Paul had, Timothy right there holding him up. What a great loyal friend. Paul says he's my fellow worker. Look, if you've got a loyal Christian friend, there are special graces God gives us in life, special graces that, that we experience. And one of those special graces that God gives us in life is a loyal Christian friend. Let me take this point and bring it down to a close and ask you a question. Who, you might even write a name down, who do you need to thank God for that God has used to prop you up and walk with you through some difficulty this year? Or, let me ask you another, who do you need to actually tell? You need to tell that person, you have really, God has used you in my life this year. Or let me turn it back on you for an assignment. Who do you need to, I mean, this is the church, we, we must stay connected. Who do you actually need to step into their life and become that loyal Christian friend? I think you find it in verse 21. We need to praise God for loyal Christian friends. Let me give you something else that you'll see in verse 21, 2, and 3. Number 2, we should praise God for broken barriers. Broken barriers. I mean, isn't that what the gospel does? Humans, we set up false barriers, cultural barriers, and the gospel breaks them down. I mean, just read that list of names right there with Paul in verse 21, 22, and 23. You have... I'm going to show it to you. You have Jews and Gentiles. You have rich and poor. You have slave and free. Look with me in verse 21. Paul says, Timothy, we've talked about him. My fellow worker greets you. And then he names three others, Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, who's my kinsman. There are some Jewish men there. And then you get down to verse 22. And there you have Tertius. So Read that name and know that that word, Tertius, is actually just Latin for third. He's the third. So you have Tertius who wrote the letter, who was probably a slave at some point. I mean, you have to put, kind of put these things together. Probably a slave. He may be a freedman now. He is serving as Paul's emanuensis, which is a big word for secretary. He's writing down what Paul's dictating to him. And he takes a moment and just speaks to people. He says, I just want you to see me here and say hello to you. I greet you in the Lord. When, when you think about that name, Tertius, um, it is literally, literally third. So if you had one, two, three, four children, you would just, if you're running out of name, just go, your child number one, number two, number three, number four. You could just... Um, you could just say, Latin would be primus, secundus, tertius, quartus. So a lot of you having all these kids, running out of names, just start giving them a number. I mean, you see quartus down in verse uh, 23. You see him there? And then with quartus is mentioned, um, is mentioned Gaius. Verse 23, Gaius is so rich, he has a house so big that there's room enough for Paul to stay there. And also, Paul says, and, and we go ahead and have church in his house. It's so big. There's another rich man mentioned there in verse 23. His name is Erastus. Erastus, who is the city treasurer. He handles all the money for the city of Corinth. 
And uh, Paul says, Erastus greets you. Interestingly, Erastus, we find his name, 1928, some archaeologists found his name inscribed on an arch found there in Corinth. So maybe, maybe that was him. My, my point is that what the gospel has done is broken out all of these all of these walls and all of these different walks of life have been brought together around the cross of Jesus Christ. You know what that reminds us? That we are equally, we are equally sinners. Look, we're, the, the greatest display of our equality is that we're sinners. We're equally lost because of our sin, and then we are equally saved in Christ. And as Paul says in Ephesians, what that gospel does it is, is it creates one new man. So I wonder what, in light of that, what effort will you make this week to keep pressing down false, false barriers? What person who's radically different than you? We, we tend to stick with people that are kind of like us. What person you know who is radically different than you are will you have over to your home between now and Christmas? You may have to do it on the patio. Have them over to your home. We need to praise God for loyal Christian friends. We need to praise God for broken barriers. Let's get to the doxology now. Let me give you a third thing to praise God for. Number three. We need to praise God because He is able. He's able. Notice, we go into the doxology, verse 25. This is what Paul says, to Him who is able. You see that word able? It's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. Now you've got to be careful there uh, because a lot of times preachers will say, uh, dunamis is where we get the word dynamite and then take that English meaning and press it back on the text and say, okay, God gives us this explosive power. Well, that preach is good, except that it's not what that means. What he's saying here is this energy, this energetic power that God is able. It's God who is able. It's God who has the power. I mean, isn't that the whole theme? Isn't that the whole theme of the book of Romans? That the gospel is the power, the dunamis, the power of God to save. I mean, this is, what we, this is what we rely on. This is what we rest in. It's the power of God. This is, this is why we pray when things are bad. This is why we pray harder when things get worse, because we believe that God has the power to intervene. I mean, all through the New Testament, that is the theme that keeps popping up, that God is able. I want you to believe that God is able. The writer of Hebrews says in, God, uh, says in Hebrews chapter 7 that, that God is able to save us to the uttermost. That there's no way that you're lost once you're in Christ. You read the New Testament, you find Paul saying to Timothy that, look, Timothy, I know you're going to be in a, in a tough church sometimes, a young preacher, and Paul tells him, God is able. He's able to keep you. One of my favorite Verses that speaks of God's ability is in Hebrews chapter 2. When I'm facing temptation, this helps me. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 2, 18, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, you know what he's able to do? He is able to help those who are being tempted. 
because of what Jesus Christ suffered even before He went to the cross, being tempted yet without sin, because He's done that in our place, He then is able to help you when you're tempted. You should call on Him. Jude tells us that, that God is able, Jude 24 tells us, that God is able to keep us from quitting, stumbling. You know why He didn't quit this year? Because God is able. Paul writes to the church at Philippi that God is able to one day raise us from the dead. Wrote to the church at Ephesus. This is one of my favorites too. Um, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 is another doxology. And Paul says, now to him who is able, you think you've got a good imagination? To him who is able to do far more abundantly than you ever ask of or think. The old preacher used to say, won't he do it? You and I need to quit. We need to quit doubting God's power and let's start calling on God's power to work and, and to save and to heal and to fix. We have, we have some things that need fixing. So, so let me ask a question with that in our minds. What or who? A lot of times for us, the what actually is a who. Who have you given up on? What have you given up on that you, that you want to see God show His power? You were asking God to do that. He didn't do it on the timeline that you hoped, and you've just waned and you're asking God to move. What do you need to revisit and ask God to show His power? What frustration are you living in right this moment? We all got them. And for those of us that are trying to work and do things, you, you feel like you start doing things in your own power and you just forget to ask God to do something. What frustration have you not taken fully and completely and consistently to God and asked Him to fix? I, I want to add to that one, uh, that, that third praise of with well, a fourth praise and that is we need to praise we need to praise God because he strengthens us he strengthens us that's what the text says in verse 25 to now to him who is able to strengthen you see that word strengthen yours might say he's able to establish that word establish or strengthen is the greek word sterizo it means something it means to to make to make firm. It means to take something and plant it like it's in concrete. To, let's put it, put it in flesh and blood. It means that you will be mentally and emotionally stable. It, it means to be settled, to be, to be firmly planted in the gospel. Praise God because He's able to make you stand strong in the very Worst of times. Honestly, honestly, answer me this. Is there any way, is there any way you would have made it this far if it weren't for the Lord strengthening you? I just, let's just take this year alone. 2020. You imagine those preachers in January of 2020 or December that are always talking about vision and we're preaching vision 2020. Here's our great vision, all the things God is going to do in 2020. 
Because we got, I, I know a lot of preachers that took that 2020, 2020 vision and preached it in January of 2020. And now they don't have 2020 vision. Now they're cross-eyed looking back 2020. Let's just take this year alone. When you're a pastor of a church this size, you run into a whole lot of things with people and their issues and stuff that happens. And this year alone, I've watched some of you walk through some of the most difficult things. I've seen car wrecks. I've seen sudden deaths. I've seen families fall apart. I've seen marriages break up. I've seen broken hearts and lost jobs and hurt feelings and abandoned hopes. I've seen people wrestle with depression, anxiety that came out of nowhere. I've seen arguments. I've heard about wayward children. You wouldn't be here if God didn't get you through this. I, I haven't even brought up COVID yet. So take all of that going on and let's just lay COVID over this. Wait, that's not enough. Let's have some killings and riots, and then on top of that, put a presidential election. And yet, here we are, by God's good grace. Here you are, worshiping, giving to church, you're watching online, you're functioning, moving forward. That's because God is able to strengthen you. Now, let's just stop here for a moment. I want you to turn around. Look at that, look at that terrible thing. Look at it. What terrible thing that's happened this year do you need to thank God for? Or, or maybe, you're not, maybe you're not there yet. You can't. What terrible thing that's happened this year do you need to thank God for getting you through that? Some of you are not over the hump yet, so let's, let's deal with that. What obstacle? What is it? Take, we take it to the Lord because the text says, to him who is able to strengthen you. What obstacle do you need to overcome and, be, and get your heart content in Christ? Sometimes at night I'll, I'll listen to uh, some books. I'll try to read if, I, if I, I try every year to read between 50 and 75 books a year. I've never broken 100. I'm going to give me a bunch of little small books. Maybe I'll break 100 sometime. But, but then I try to listen to on Audible. Listening to a book is not the same as reading a book. It's actually having someone read that book to you. It's a good way to do it. It's just not reading it. So I try to listen to one or two of those a month in and, and the evenings. And right now I'm listening to... Um, I'm listening to a book entitled The Rare Jewel of Christian Contentment by a Puritan named Jeremiah Burroughs. You can get these kind of books. Nobody buys them anymore. You can get them for free on Audible or if you have the library card. It's called Hoopla, I think. I don't know. Somebody probably knows that. Anyway, you can get, you can get that for free too. And you can get these books for free and listen to them. And I'm listening to it. And one, one of the greatest things he keeps saying is this contentment in, in Christ. And let me just say say to you, one of the greatest safeguards to your own soul that's going to get you through what you have to walk through, it's going to help you fight off sin, it's going to help you deal with some of the depression and anxiety, one of the greatest safeguards to your soul will be finding this genuine contentment in Christ. We need to praise God because He's able, and you need to praise God because He is able to strengthen you. 
I'm going to give you a fifth one to consider. We need to uh, just sort of dial it in here. Number five, we need to praise God for the gospel. The gospel. You see it in verse 25? Paul writes it like this, To him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. Now, there's a lot to say there, but what I want to do, it, we've talked about the gospel for quite a bit of time. I want to t take you and look at, why did he say, my gospel? I want to pay close attention to that possessive, my gospel. Why does he describe the gospel here, my gospel? Is he saying this is different than Peter's gospel? I don't think so. I don't think he's contrasting his gospel with somebody else's gospel as if to say that his is different. I think what Paul is doing here is Paul has personalized it to such a degree that the gospel is so real to him, it has transformed him so completely, it's like, it's like, um, it's like we, we use the language sometimes, uh, Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. When we say that, we're not saying he's mine and not yours. What we're saying is, I have been personally and profoundly changed by the perfect life of Jesus, the death of Jesus on the cross, and his miraculous resurrection. That I not only am going to church now and then or believe that there is a Jesus, I have a saving faith. There's a difference. A saving faith, the gospel, it's, it's mine. Which I think is a good place to ask the question, is it yours? Have you, have you actually submitted yourself to that? How, how personal is the gospel to you? Is it your gospel? Can you explain it? Do you understand it? Do you know what happened on the cross on your behalf? Have you trusted in the finished work of Jesus for your own salvation? One of the things that we need to praise God for is we need to praise God for the gospel. Let me give you a sixth thing to consider. Number six. We need to praise God for the Bible. We live in a world and a time in history and a place in history in a country where we are surrounded by Bibles. You can get it electronically. You can have it in different versions. You can have it wrapped in whatever kind of leather you want. You probably, each of you here, have several copies, maybe even several different uh, translations of the Bible. And, and here Paul brings this up to the forefront. You'll find it at the end of verse 25 and on into verse 26. You'll see the mystery and the preaching of Jesus. Let me show it to you. Now, to him who was able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings is being made known to all nations. Back up and see the preaching. See that word preaching in verse 25? That word preaching is the word Greek word kerygma. It, it means content. It means the message. It, it means what's being revealed and what's found in the prophetic writings. The message is Jesus. Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, crucified on a cross in the place of sinners, resurrected, and now reigns as Lord. It's Jesus. And verse 26 says that this has been disclosed through the prophetic writings. That's the Old Testament. So if the Old Testament is Christ 
concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. I mean, this is, if you're a guest, this is why we do what we do. It's why we read it and talk about it. It's why we read the Bible on the front end. It's why Kyler stood up and read the Bible. It's why we pray the Bible. It's why we study the Bible. It's why we believe the Bible, because this is how God speaks to us through His Word. This, this shows us, this, the Word is, it uncovers, it reveals the mystery. It shows us the riches that are Christ. So my question for any Christian here, any believer, how are you approaching the Bible? How do you read the Bible? How often do you read the Bible? How, how long do you read the Bible? Are you memorizing passages in the Bible? Have you meditated on the Bible? It's, it's why we have a reading plan, not for some legalism so you can check the box and get your work done as a Christian, so that you know where to get food and you are constantly being fed by the Bible. We need to praise God for the Bible. Let me give you a seventh thing. If you're wondering, I have ten. I'll pick up the pace here in just a moment. This is my last sermon in Romans. Give me a break. I needed to get it all in. Number seven, we need to, we need to praise God for the missionary impulse we find in the New Testament. The missionary impulse. Do you see that in verse 26? Notice what he says. But has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has, here comes the missionary impulse, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Being made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God. That's the heart of God. Missions, always been the heart of God. Matthew 28, missions. The command of Jesus Missions, it is the call of the church. Every one of us here has some stake in investing our lives in the missionary impulse. Now, when I say missionary impulse, I don't mean just sharing Jesus with our neighbors and friends and, and people in our home and we work with and go to school with. I don't mean just being a disciple maker. Those are all very important things that we should be doing. I'm talking about full-time commitment to missions. Having a tangible, real investment in gospel mission, whether it's you giving or you going, or you yielding to full-time ministry? Which I think is a good, a good question to put on us, is how are you, you personally, investing in the gospel ministry and mission of Hickory Grove? I think another question that some of you need to ask, that I think I'm thinking of you sometimes when I say this, is God calling you to full-time gospel ministry or mission. We need to praise God for the missionary impulse. I'm running out of time here. Let me give you just a couple more. I'll go through them quickly. Number eight, we need to praise God for grace. Do you see? Praise God for grace. Do you see verse 26 that speaks of the obedience of faith? Most religions require some sort of obedience to please God. Remember, what Paul says here is the obedience of faith. How is it you become a Christian? It's not by doing all, all the good things to make God love you. It's your faith in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross in the place of sinners. We call that grace. And that obedience comes from faith, not obedience leading to faith. And that faith, if you have faith in Jesus, if you've given your life to Christ, then what happens is that faith is evident in obedience. We need to praise God for grace. 
We need to praise God for, here's number nine. We need to praise God for his wisdom. Wisdom. Verse 27, isn't that what he says there? It's to the only wise God. I mean, truthfully, would you have planned and done 2020 like it's unfolded? We, we would not have done that. And yet God in His wisdom has brought us through that for a reason. What? To show us His goodness and His glory and our sanctification. Paul speaks to this to the church in Corinth where he wrote this letter to Rome. 1 Corinthians, 20, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23 and 24. Paul says, We preach Jesus Christ crucified. It is a stumbling block to the Jews it's folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Jesus Christ is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. In fact, I think that's how I want to... I think that's how I want to end two years in Romans. I want to end this series and just say, we, number 10, we need to praise God for Jesus. That's what he says here in verse 27. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, Jesus has saved you. He will strengthen you. He has forgiven you. If you're not a Christian, you should hear Jesus will forgive you. You're in Christ and, and He loves you. In fact, I think it's right for us to close out this series and close out my sermon in an attitude of prayer, thanking and praising God for Jesus. Will you join me as we pray together? Let's pray. With your head bowed, I want you to think of what He saved you from. Just think now, right now, what did he save you from or, or what could have been if he had not saved you? Now look, look backwards for a moment. Look back maybe just through this year. What has God brought you through? What has he brought you through? You didn't think you could walk through that. It's overwhelming and yet here you are. We need to thank God for that. How has God in Jesus healed your soul? How has your gospel, is it that personal, healed? Some of you have really had a broken heart and a damaged soul. For some of you here, I, I just would like to say, what is the call? What is the call on your life? What is it? And what are you afraid of? To answer it. Christ is the hope that we have for tomorrow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ago but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all the nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith 
To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen.